me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down, the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. Conquerors, welcome to the latest edition of the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. You know, we have an incredible guest for you today. I had the privilege of interviewing Jason Forrest, the CEO at Forrest Performance Group. And Jason, a winner of four international Stevie Awards for his warrior selling and leadership coaching training programs. He is an award-winning author. He's written five books, and we're going to be digging into his newest book that was released this month, The Warrior Mindset. It's all about mental toughness and that mindset in sales is everything. Jason's going to explain that there's four mental leashes that are holding us back. Stories, reluctance, rules, and our self-image. He had so much powerful information when we sat down and interviewed him. Producer Colleen is making us break this thing up into two amazing episodes so that we get all of the juicy tidbits out there into the Concord local universe. Today, we'll be covering two of the leashes, stories and reluctance. That's coming up with Mr. Jason Forrest on the Conquer Local Podcast next. It's the latest edition of the Conquer Local Podcast and joining us today, Jason Forrest. And Jason, super excited to have you on the broadcast this, uh, this week. And Jason's based out of Fort Worth, Texas with the Forrest Performance Group. How long have you had that organization, Jason? So I've, I've owned FPG now for nine years this past July, which is amazing. Uh, before that, I had a, a different company that we were partners together. And then before that, I was the head of national training for a, a Fortune 500 company. Well, an award-winning author of five different books. Can we go through the different titles that, that you've written when it comes to uh, the, the business of sales? And I have to remember this. Hold on. So, so uh, I, I wrote a book called Creating Urgency. I wrote that in the 2008 uh, housing market, actually, which was a great, great, uh, great time to write the book. Uh, the second book was 40 Day Sales Dare for, for Real Estate, for Housing. Uh, the third book was 40 Day Sales Dare for Auto Sales. Um, the fourth book was leadership sales coaching. Uh, that book actually, um, won numerous awards and the, the training program around that book has, is, is, has won the best sales management development program in the world and is used at high point university as, uh, their MBA textbook on, on sales coaching, which is cool. And then, uh, the next book after that was a book on service called service certainty, the secret to customer loyalty. Um, the book after that was called uh, Why Training Fails, $164 billion is spent on training, 70% fails to reach an ROI. And then the latest book, so I might have more than now five, I guess. And the latest book is, is called The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. It's how to unleash uh, yourself to, to earn what you're truly worth. Well, and that's going to be our topic today because there's so many great things inside this book that will help a salesperson. I do have to tell our, our listeners, I actually went through something over the last uh, 60 days I haven't talked about yet, but you know, we've been running pretty hard in our organization over the past seven years and um, have grown from 
you know, less than 20 people when I arrived here seven years ago to well over 300 people. And you're, wow. you know, you're, you're flying around and you're traveling and you're, you're spending maybe more time on the road than you want to. And anybody that thinks that traveling um, for work is a perk, um, just try doing it for a few years. You realize that it's actually, uh, it's, a, it's a huge burden. And, and I began to get pretty burnt out and I didn't even recognize it for a long time. And, and what had happened to, in my mind after uh, just coming back from almost two weeks away and my, my wife insisted that I go on a holiday, she actually booked it and th- that's never happened before. So that was a big wake up call for me. It was that I, I was kind of letting things enter my mind space that usually I would just kick the hell out. So can we talk about how important mental toughness is to being a top performer? Uh, yeah, well, mindset very simply is everything. So mindset is everything. And the, the, the formula that we created in Trademark that kind of everything is based around is this idea of performance equals knowledge minus leashes. So performance is the sales that we make. Knowledge is what we've been taught to do. So let's, let's just say we've been taught to ask a customer, hey, what's holding you back from moving forward with us? Very simple question to ask. What's holding you back from moving forward with us? That would be the knowledge that some training or book taught us to do. Uh, the leash is any resistance. So we have four types of leashes. There are stories, which are external. So a story would be, you know what? I don't think the customer is going to respond well to that because they're they're frowning, they're not smiling. Or we've got a reluctance, which is a situational fear. Uh, we've got the third type of leash is a rule, what I need to see, feel, or hear in order to give myself permission to do that. And then last is self-image. You know, I don't feel comfortable or confident kind of pulling that off. And, and so the, the, the struggle that most people have is that we're not spending enough time on the mindset side or on these leashes. And it's more about unlearning than it is about learning. And so people, we, we, we can, what's interesting is that where a lot of training really fails, where we struggle is that we can teach people the strategies all day long to handle an objection or to deliver a selling message. But if they don't initiate contact, if they don't engage because they've got some sort of leash that holds them back, they won't, it doesn't matter. You could throw all the sales training in the world at them, all the process. It doesn't matter unless they actually engage. So I, I like the way that you framed this with these four leashes. So can we dig into these a little bit more? Because I think there's, there's insight around each one. So what, what do you mean by stories? Well, not just insight. In the book that I just wrote, there's 42 different strategies to talk about. So okay. yeah, there's a lot. So um yeah, so let's go through each one. So, so you said stories is the first yeah, one. Yeah, let's let's start with stories. Everybody knows yeah. that stories sell. So, um, are you saying that stories also can keep you from selling? Yeah, they they can. Yeah. So, stories are anything external that you believe to be true. So, we have stories about the economy. So, we if you ever heard like in the you know the old book Think and Grow Rich, they would call them alibis, right? And he would mm-hmm. say, if only you know I was born in a different time. If only you know I was from a different country. If only uh, the customers were interested. If only I had better product. That's external. It's outside of them. And they're using that as a reason why they can't engage or why they can't kind of perform and do their job. So stories are a big deal. Um, it's a simple question you can ask people is, uh, hey, right now, what do you think, what are the circumstances that are outside of your control uh, or what, what's, what circumstances are outside of your control are currently holding you back from earning what you're worth. And they'll give them, they'll give, they'll give all the stories that, that are holding them back. The difference is, is that the salespeople who are performing um, at the top 1% of their industry or their market, they just have fewer stories. It's just real simple. You got to get rid of the stories. 
So, you know, your your advice then for a sales rep is to get rid of the stories. What's your advice for a sales manager that's leading a team of people? How, how do they find out what stories their reps are believing today? Yeah, so just one, I would ask that question. So again, just you would, um, and that's part of our coaching program that we actually teach is, is you would ask that question of, hey, so I'm curious, um, what are some of the, what are the, some of the reasons why people aren't buying today? And, and if the sales rep says, if they say, well, it's because I specifically need some additional processes or words on how to convince the customer to think differently about blank or to handle this price objection, they're owning, they're owning it themselves. But if they say anything else outside of that, if they say, well, I just can't because the customers just think the price is too high, or I can't because we really need uh, purchasing to give us better features or better product, or I really need, you know, I need better, uh, I need better qualified customers. If they give anything that's outside of them, that's a story. Well, it makes, you know, when you break it down that way, and thank you for doing that, it makes an enormous amount of sense. And it's definitely something that we can coach to with our teams. But also what we like to do on on this podcast is to is to teach reps to coach themselves. Because it's not just salespeople that could believe these stories. It could be sales managers. It could be VPs. It could be CROs. Because, you know, it, it starts to wear on you after a while. It's a, it's a tough business. Sales is a hard thing. So let's go to the second item that you brought up, and that's reluctance. Let's dig into that well, a little it, bit. It, well, let me actually, you, you want me to coach one real fast? You want me to coach sure. the, one of the stories? Yeah, let's do it. So again, in the book, I have 42 different strategies and I actually, I'm a master practitioner in NLP. And so we actually have all kinds of applications on how they can coach themselves. So, uh, so for example, like a simple, simple reframe exercise a person can do is let's say they say to themselves, um, the, the, the customer just thinks that we're overpriced. Then what you would do is a simple reframe. And you would say, it's not that the customer thinks we're overpriced. It's that I have not convince them of the value that justifies the price. Right. So it's just a simple reframe. There's all kinds of simple things that a person can do, but it's just, a, it's, it's all about taking ownership over it and stop kind of putting it outside of them. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, so it, it really at the heart of this, what you're saying is, uh, is it an excuse that's being made? Uh, yeah. I, mean, I think, I think, yes. The majority of people would probably just say it's an excuse, but the, the problem with just labeling it as an excuse is it overgeneralizes what the issue is. So for example, it'd be like a doctor saying, wasn't the person just unhealthy? Well, I mean, yeah, that's a generalization. There's specific reasons why they're right. unhealthy though. So, so that's what, that's what I want to do for people is the more we can chunk something down, the more we can really kind of diagnose it properly and then, and then prescribe the right solution to get a person unstuck. Well, that's some great advice. So let's go with number two, which is reluctance. Can we dig into that? Yeah, so the, the, the company uh, that we partnered up with is called Behavioral Science Research Press. They're actually out of Dallas. There's 16 different types of sales reluctances that people have. And reluctances like arranging payment, reluctances like yielding. Yielding is, I don't want to come across too pushy. I want to avoid conflict. Role rejection. I don't want to see myself as a salesperson, so I call myself a, an advisor, a consultant, a realtor. I don't even have sales in my business title. That's a big role rejection sign. Um, uh, friends and family reluctance. I don't want to sell. I don't want to cross business and in, in, in that um, social self-conscious. I have a high hard time selling to the C-suite. I have no problem selling to someone at my same social level, but I can't sell to the C-suite stage fright. I mean, there's, there's 16 different types of reluctances 
um, that that we basically can measure. And what's interesting is that these are just ended. They're all they are is tendencies and fears. You know, it's like you know people can all relate to the whole idea of uh, like telephobia, right? That's an, an interesting one. You know, it's like people were raised and their they overheard their parents saying something like, "Oh, I can't stand these annoying telemarketers." Well, all of a sudden. As a child, I mean, you're very vulnerable for an influence and programmed. And so now growing up, now you're all of a sudden asked to, to, call, to cold call people. And you have this parent that's, that's, that's whispering in your ear going, hey, don't be one of those people that I can't stand. And so that's a reluctance that's picked up, programmed uh, by our upbringing. Well, I wanted to just leave that there and let the mic drop hit. So thanks for pausing because it's in working with inside sales teams and working with salespeople that maybe had been doing street level sales. And now you're asking them to work the phones. You've really got to get them to break through that. That is a thing. And, and I want people to understand that telephobia is definitely a thing and uh, great, great uh, point. Bringing it up as one of those reluctance. What do you think is one of the most common reluctancies that you've found? Well, the one that's most common and the one that actually cost the global economy billions and billions they've actually proven billions and billions of uh, lost revenue on an annual basis is the yielding tendency so yielding is the idea of make a friend make a sale like that basically what happened is back in the 80s we kind of went nuts on the kind of soft sale revolution that happened out there and it's not a bad thing it's just it, and look behind every behavior is a positive intention right so what happened is during the 80s, all those movies came out like Wall Street and, you know, whatever, Boiler Room and Gary Good Ross. And everyone went nuts saying, hey, I don't want to be these unethical, crooked salespeople that manipulate people and screw them out of money. Right. So so what did we do? We do we do what every society does when something goes too far to the right, to the extreme. We go too far to the left. Right. So yeah. so then we said, OK, well, let's let's just back off completely. We're not going to push anything on anyone. And we're not going to try to convince anyone to do anything. We're just going to let customers make their own decisions on their time frame when they want to. And so we went way too far back. And so the yielding tendency says it's the customer's terms, it's the customer's life, and they need to buy when they need to buy. And so what I help, what I help salespeople rec recognize and, and notice and realize is that, 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 sales, that customers don't have a problem with sales or salespeople in general. They have a problem with some salespeople that are boring, unhelpful, or unethical. And again, if you look at the idea that behind every behavior is a positive intention, if as long as you know what pain the customer is moving away from and what life improvement they're, they're wanting to move towards, well, your mission is to liberate that customer from any indecision, is to, is to remove the ambiguity. And so if your highest intention is to help them, which is a yielder's goal is they just want to help. They want to be a helper. They want to help. Then I have to reframe that and help them recognize that you are actually not helping them when you are letting them make the decision on their own. When you are taking them through a formal decision-making process that, that gets them to speed up the decisions faster, you're actually doing something for them and not to them. And once they see that, they're in what's called a therapeutic double bind and people don't like to be that. When I can show them that, that the behaviors they're doing are actually not helping the customer, which is their highest intention, they either have to change their behavior or they have to change their highest intention, which they're not going to. And so it's a better place to be. 
Well, you've mentioned in the past, and I think this really ties in, that you're working, you're working and your mandate is to remove the stereotype that sales is sleazy and showing that it's in fact a noble profession. So if, if you truly believe that your product or service can help the customer, you, you, it's, it's on you as a salesperson to bring them across that line and get them to the point where we can get this thing working for them. That's correct. Yeah. So one of the things that we teach is there are four levels of a salesperson. So one is our sales warrior. The bottom level is you're a, a, a follower. Um, you completely just kind of wait for the customer. The next level is you're a helper. Majority of salespeople are actually in that helper stage. Uh, then you go above the line and you are a leader. Uh, you lead a person to a place they wouldn't go on their own. But, but the final level is a warrior. And a warrior is a protector, a protector. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. I'm protecting the customer from themselves. I'm protecting the customer from making a, a not thought out decision when they are choosing to spend less and therefore get less when they're focused on the sticker or on the price or on their budget. And they're not focused on really what they're trying to accomplish and what their mission is, and what they're trying to solve. And so a warrior is a protector. A warrior is, is I, look, I think based upon what I'm hearing from you now, now Mr. Customer, you know, I, I, we've got to talk through this because you said you're looking for this. You said you're wanting to move away from this. You said this is most important to you. And right now, I, I got to make sure that we make this right decision because my concern is if you go with brand X, again, yes, it's 20% less than us, but it's not going to accomplish those things that you had in mind. And so it's really just like believing, you know, it's like believing in what you offer and, and who you are and what you stand for. Well, going back to the, the, uh, the theme of the book that you've written all around this mental toughness, you have to have that belief. But, you know, Jason, on a day to day basis, salespersons being beat up on those beliefs. They're being beat up when they're in the office before they even go out on the street. They go out in the first sales call, they're getting beat up. You know, what, what are some things that, that you would give as advice to, to keep that positive mindset and that mental toughness while you're getting beat up on a regular basis? Oh, that would be book, buy my book, book-salesmindset.com. So, so that's the whole point of the book. So I actually, the opening chapter, you'll, you'll, you'll love this, George. I actually said that, that the modern sales warrior is under siege and they're fighting the impossible war because the customer is telling them that customer service is not fulfilling their promises. Prospects are saying they're overpriced. Their friends and family are saying they don't get, they don't get to see them anymore. Their boss tells them they don't make their quota, they're going to get fired. And if they are doing well, then their coworkers say, well, the only reason why you're doing well is you have a great territory. And so they're fighting the war on all fronts, which is the impossible war. And so the idea behind it is that, the, that you got you to gotta say, you know what, I can't, I can't worry about all that stuff anymore. I've got to take my life back and I've got to focus on myself through these, these 42 different um, uh, mental strategies. Well, as part of my two weeks that I was uh, sequestered on vacation, I was up in uh, New Hampshire and I spent an evening, great band in a great pub in, uh, in a ski town, but it's middle of summer, but to just the culture up there. I'd never been to New Hampshire before. It was unbelievable. And I was spending some time with a friend, friend of mine who's a top real estate professional in, uh, in the New Hampshire area. He's been doing it for a number of years, does a lot of teaching. And I noticed off the top of the show, you talked about real estate. You know, there's there's an industry where you need to have a lot of mental toughness. This is a real estate space. Would would you agree? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and look, one of the struggles that the realtors have, and I'll just I'll just you know say it like it is right now, is that that um, a lot of the brokers unfortunately are are attracting or promising the wrong thing. Because one of the things that we know, one of the strategies in the book is that the most successful salespeople are procedural versus option. 
So procedural is I have a very specific ritualistic process that I follow from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed with every customer, every routine, every situation, just like you, you have a very strict process or you wouldn't be a company that's got 300 employees and you wouldn't be able to do the successful podcast. The opposite of that is an option-based mindset. An option-based mindset is more based on why versus how. And so unfortunately though, the modern realtor is hired with an option-based philosophy. So meaning that most real estate ads, they'll say, hey, if you're the type of person that likes to have uh, an unlimited income potential with flexible hours that has an entire career based upon your lifestyle to do whatever you want to do, when you want to do it, come work for us. There's not, there's not a single top real, real, real estate provider out there that that has flexible hours built around their lifestyle. <laughs> like it doesn't work, you know? And so we're, they're attracting the wrong people. And so these realtors, they're coming in with this lie. It's, it's a lie. There's, it doesn't happen. And so in order to be a top producer, you cannot have flexible hours built around your lifestyle. You have to have a very structured, disciplined process and you put business first. And then when you don't have business, then you could have your lifestyle that you would like. So what, if you want to make money, if you want to make money. See, so I, I understand you don't, you've done quite a bit of work in the real estate space. What I, I've heard a crazy number that like only like 2% or 3% of all real estate agents are successful. What, what is the real number in your experience? I mean, that, that, well, again, in the real estate, yeah, I would say it's probably correct. It depends on how you measure success, but it, you know, based upon the general real estate field, we do a lot of work in the, um, in the home, in the home builder field as well. And then the new home sales side, uh, which is a little bit different because the customers come to them and it's more of a kind of a retail transaction than uh, the general real estate market is more of a prospecting type deal, you know, and that's, and I'll tell you, that's one of the struggles that I will say that the general real estate population has as well is that they've been kind of told a lie. So their myth is, Hey, just get a bunch of listings. You're really more of a marketer than a salesperson. We don't want to call you a salesperson. We want to call you a realtor. And as long as you get a bunch of listings, you know, and the, if the price is right, the home will sell. And, you know, they don't teach them how to, they don't even teach them how to sell the house. They teach them just how to list the house and how to market and how to get more listings. And so it's more of a, they've just been told a lie. They've been told it's a numbers game and all those things. And it's just, it's not, it's just not true. Well, I'm, you know, I'm really interested in, in bringing this to light because I know, you know, our audience and where it has come from, it's been from the digital marketing world and the media space. And now, now we've got some telco reps that have joined the, the listener ranks. And I think that sometimes we have a tendency to look inside our industries and say, oh, we're the only ones that are facing these challenges. So it's good to talk about the auto space and the real estate space. And we had a, a guest yeah, a couple of weeks back that was in the, uh, in the sports sales space. So like selling, you know, rink, uh, ice holes on, on rinks and, uh, selling, you know, the, the person that sells for the Patriots advertising programs, it, it's, it's not just one industry of sales that's under this battle against our mental toughness. It's all of them. When you agree. It is. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's any salesperson inside, outside field. It's, um, it, I mean, really it's, it's any human being that is in any sort of aspect of self-promotion. I mean, that's it, right? So, which will be an entrepreneur. I mean, most, I mean, every entrepreneur is, is a salesperson because they gotta, they've got to convince investors to choose them. They've got to, they're, you know, they're the one bootstrapped in the beginning, selling their right. products or service. And so, I mean, again, the, the biggest thing that, that, um, that I think we just haven't spent enough time on, which makes complete sense is that that majority of sports franchises 
have have a in-house sports mental toughness coach. Okay, majority of sports franchises have an in-house uh, mental toughness sports coach. And if you if you presuppose that a salesperson is a modern day corporate athlete, then why are we not giving them the same exact resources that a professional sports team has? And that's the mistake that we've made. We've just kind of ignored it. We we believe we know it's we know we're supposed to do it, but we just don't put enough emphasis on it. No, I completely agree. Oh, I could just listen to him all day. That was Jason Forrest, the CEO of Forrest Performance Group. We only covered half of what we uh, put together in the time that we spent with Jason. So next week, we're going to do another edition of the Concord Local Podcast, all with Mr. Jason Forrest. You know, he's really taken it to a whole new level when we talk about sales being a mental game. I've always known that sales is a mental game, but when I was talking to him, he was bringing up things that I, that I you know, I, I just didn't even know were a thing. Like the stories. He said there were 42 stories. 42. I don't know how many times I've heard the story. If only it's an excuse. Sales managers out there, I think it's important that we address this within our sales teams. Make that salesperson own it themselves. Jason hit the nail on the head. People will give any story outside of themselves. Then we talked about reluctance. And listen, this telephobia thing. I had it for the longest time in the early parts of my career. Um, I sometimes have telephobia when I don't want to make the hard call. You know, when you got to talk a customer off the ledge or deal with a fire. But then I also sometimes have telephobia where I don't want to ask for the business because what if they say no and now it's going to, it's going to empty out of my pipeline. Like that's just a few things that I was thinking about. Also, he said there are four levels of being a sales warrior. I want you to think about which one of those levels are you. Are you the follower? Are you the helper? Are you the leader? Or are you the warrior? Next week, we'll have Jason back to give us the last two mental leashes around rules and self-image. So pumped about this series. We're in season three, and we're looking forward to feedback from you on LinkedIn. We're getting all sorts of comments and ideas for our upcoming teaching episodes. We've got some things planned. I'm just going to tease you on one of them. Political advertising and digital marketing opportunities. We're going to cover all of that in an upcoming episode. But don't forget, next week, one more time, Jason Forrest will be back on the podcast I'm George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Danny Mario. Audio engineering, sound lounge by T-Bone. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Produced by Colleen McGrath.